From the Hudson River. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Trey Wingo coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Going to talk about the live sports betting. The sports books are open here in the great state of Louisiana. It took long enough, but here we are. We made it. We're going to talk more Cajun hoops like we did in the first segment. Later on, we'll have open phone lines for a portion of the 8 o'clock hour. But joining me now, as he does each and every Friday, Nola segment, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Kattengel. We uh, we have championship weekend here in the NFL, Gus, but I know here in South Louisiana, our neck of the woods, um, yeah, there are, I, I have this up on our website, there were 18 players still playing in the playoffs with ties to Louisiana. And while there will be a lot of chatter about those games, and I'll certainly get your picks, the, 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 since Tuesday, you know, Saints fans down here, sports fans down here, they've been talking about Sean Payton and his decision. And, Gus, I guess my first question to you is, when it happened, how surprised were you when you got the news? Okay, you know, the rumblings are true. There is fire where there's smoke. Sean Payton is stepping down as the New Orleans Saints head coach. Uh, probably like a lot of people, honestly. And that was, um, you know, shock and disbelief. I mean, when I started seeing all these reports coming in, obviously <laughs> you're doing probably what, you know, you did and a lot of other people did and texting people or just, you know, can you kind of believe it? It was almost like just to try to figure out, you know, do I buy this? Do I not? Could this possibly be, you know, something that actually is, is going to happen or not? And, yeah, dude. I mean, uh, I, a lot of people that covered the team didn't didn't think it was possible. They had sort of heard rumblings. I mean, when I had Larry on from the Athletic, he um, he, he did mention a couple times. He's like, you know, he just needs to step away. He needs some time. But I don't think anybody really thought he would know, sort of do it. But yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Now I said um, Tuesday morning before it happened, I was wrong. Uh, I said I would be shocked if he was coaching for another team next year. Um, I said I would be surprised, not shocked, surprised if he's not coaching the Saints. I, I gave it a 10% chance that he would just step away for a year. Uh, and maybe it'll be longer. I, I don't know. But it wasn't 10%, Gus. It was 100% because a few hours later it was official. He had a press conference, um, you know, at 3. It was all very quick. It was all very coordinated. It was tight, done, you know, from a PR standpoint, about, I guess, as good as you can, just kind of quick and to the point, and he's out of there. And before you can even really start processing it all, you know, he has 90 minutes, he walks out of the building, that's it. Because I, I've had a few people suggest, well, you know, he'll eventually come back to the Saints. That's not happening. 
Like, he's probably going to coach again. He's not going to be the head coach of the Saints again. I mean, I suppose never say never. There's some weird scenarios where maybe it could happen, but I doubt it. And, you know, I I had James Butler on earlier this week, former NFL wide receiver, a buddy of mine, and he was like, you know, this is very Bill Parcells-like. Peyton always talks about Bill Parcells, how much he admires him, how much he learned from him. Parcells would do that, right? Now, Parcells didn't spend 16 years on a team, so there are notable differences. But he would spend a long time, you know, or or a short time. He'd spend some time with a team, take a few years off, come back, coach again, kind of recharge his batteries, cut leave, come back, coach again. I I don't know that it's going to be, you know, three years off for Peyton before he comes back, but I do get the sense, Gus, that he will coach again and it won't be with the Saints. What do you think Sean Payton does in both the near and long-term future? I absolutely think he coaches again. And as much as I hate to look at it, you know, I've already told my listeners, go ahead and prep for it, start to stomach it. <laughs> I'd be shocked now if he doesn't coach the Dallas Cowboys, right? Um, but how do you think that would work? You, like, like before before well, you go down that road, because we've talked a lot yeah, about sure. Peyton, and yeah. you, you got up close and personal. Certainly, it, <laughs> I thought about you some of the mistakes he made with the media early in his coaching career. Cause I remember the stories of him texting media members and asking him stuff and basically crossing some boundaries that maybe he shouldn't have, but he said he learned from it, right? He was a different coach at the end than he was at the beginning. But like we, but, but one thing that remained the same with Sean is how much he loved control. He loved autonomy. He loved having it, but I mean, you're not going to get that in Dallas. So if it is Dallas in the future, how do you think that would work with him and Jerry Jones? Well, you have to have that understanding, right? And, and, and I think when you look at, uh, how would you call it, you know, how bad do you want me situation, right? Because it ain't going to be this year. And I definitely believe in that he's not coaching this year. So you're looking at the earliest next year. And, you know, if they don't win the Super Bowl, he's already Jerry Jones, that is, desperate and willing to do whatever it takes to do that. Um did it once, and even at the Hall of Fame induction speech with Jimmy Johnson, he talked about how he made a mistake, you know, in that relationship itself. Maybe with the right person, he, um, you know, he, he gives up that control and does that. Maybe Sean has the personality enough that can handle it um, and do that. I, I just, I go to what Diana Rossini said a couple of days ago, um, the day that you know, he had announced that he came for a couple of days and mentioned that if he did come back for coaching, it would have to be for a team that had strong ownership, had some sort of, you know, clout as well, and it needs to be an organization like that as well. And she kept going on and on, and the one thing that stood out to me that she said, Scott, was specifically that she felt that he gave the indication that if perhaps his team to say a bigger name or a marquee organization that had clout or status, that maybe things like Fanola no call and things wouldn't happen. And you remember for last week before this came out, there was a lot of, you know, talk about how you know, him not feeling that the Saints get calls. Um, I think I forgot who wrote the column on it, but Mike Triplett. That's 
yeah, that bothered him, that he felt that, you know, that he thinks this team gets jobbed a bit. And, you know, you, you know from your phone call, Scott, many Saints fans are already convinced, right? Or 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 but but I think beyond that, I think it's Sean Payton, right? Because of you know, they they wanted Tom Benson to fire Sean over the bounty gate stuff, which is some of what was unsubstantiated. He didn't. He came right. back. Sean Payton publicly, you know, said some things about Goodell. Goodell didn't like him. I mean, some feel like it was more of a Sean Payton thing than a than a necessarily, I guess, a Saints thing. You know what I mean? Um I don't right. know. Like I Tough to work because as long as Jerry Jones is owner and GM, that's a that's a look. They're going to win some games. They're going to have prestige, but are they going to win the big one? You know, the last twenty six years will tell you no. They're going to choke more. You know, they've won three playoff games in the last. I, I there's. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, right? I just it's the idea of two things, and you could say, oh, well, Bill Parcells was like that, and he worked for Jerry, and it lasted a little while, and there was some success, but ultimately. You know, it definitely took its toll on Bill, um, and he ended up, you know, uh, stepping aside and leaving. And so I don't know. I, I guess I'll just say this. Yes, the chatter is going to be there in Dallas all next year, but I don't think Mike McCarthy should be the only one looking over his back. I think any coach in a, on, on a hot seat next year should maybe be looking looking over their back a little bit because I think Sean Payton got out at a good time. If he had left five years ago – Three straight seven to nine seasons. Say, uh, you know, what's happening to the Saints? What did he do? Feel a lot different. He leaves now after five straight winning seasons, uh, four NFC South titles in there, most uh, wins in the NFC over the last five years, second to most wins in the NFL. If you're going to step aside from the Saints for a year and get back into coaching a year or two later, I don't know that he could have picked a better time to do it, honestly. And he leaves on a, on a season where the Saints end with a win over the Falcons, but they don't make the playoffs. And yet a lot of the national narrative is how did they get to nine wins with four different starting quarterbacks and COVID and the injuries and all this other stuff and having to cut Norris Jenkins and yada, 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 and replace Drew Brees. So his, his um, cachet right now, right, the, the name Sean Payton, it's got, I would say, more cachet now arguably than it has – Maybe ever, well, maybe not after he won the Super Bowl, but certainly I'd say in the last like eight or nine years. So for him, in terms of being able to keep his options open, he he probably couldn't have timed it better, honestly. No, there's no doubt. And I think when you go back and listen to what he had to say, um, you know, time. And I can understand that in a lot of different areas too, man, whether it's our business, a certain place, coworkers, whatever, or We've all seen it one way, shape, or form, either with ourselves or people that we associate it with. You know, sometimes it's just good to get a fresh start, maybe take on a new challenge. And when you look at it, like, what more could he have done? And you heard that a lot from some former players that came on my show, whether it's Scott Shanley, Lance Moore, um, you know, Mike Carney, John Stinchcomb came on, and they all kind of said it. It's that what, what more can you – that you can give. And I understand the Saints fans go, well, another championship, rebuilding our team, doing that. I, I hear you. And and I think the thing that got me looking at it in a different perspective, perhaps, Scott, was you and I talk about our kids all the time when we get ready to, you know, do our segments or just chit-chat throughout the week or weekend, see how each other is doing. Megan Payton posting on Tuesday 
the photo of them when they first got right. here. Right. Little. I mean, they were, they were, they were almost, I mean, they weren't babies, babies, but, you know, they no, were so young. You're like, look at those babies. little babies. So young. Well, and, and what really hits you is when Connor, you know, like from 5 to 21. Mm-hmm. He's a 21 year old. You know, I mean, it's, that, that's a long time. Like, it, you know, when I'm thinking about it, I'm having trouble processing Scott. My kid's starting to leave right now. You know, I'm <laughs> like, what just happened to you? I mean, he's completely independent, puts his clothes on and everything. And I'm having trouble that he turns five in December. And the bike I got him for Christmas is too small. Like, he's just sprouting in, you know, almost in February. And I'm like, what, what's happening? 15 years? Like, I, I, I have trouble processing that, you know? I mean, he'd, he'd be 20. 16 years. Yeah, I, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I think of that, that's a lot. That is a lot of time, dude. That, that is. So I get it. You know, selfishly, I think we look at it as, oh, he can still coach. He can still rebuild. We see the moves that he made, how he kept this team together. It is. But, you know, again, it's a lot of time in one place. Maybe you just want to try and you have that opportunity. Not a lot of us are given that, you know. I think it'd be great as a color analyst, hearing him talk off mic or after his pressure, after practice, just football. That's the best, Sean. I've always said this. OTA, minicamp Sean, is incredible. Regular season Sean is difficult. And I get it. That's his job. His job's to win. And he compartmentalizes things and injuries, info, that's none of my business because it doesn't help him. It doesn't help his team. I don't think it's ever been personal for a large extent. Like I said, probably a person or two, just like a player or two that kind of didn't care for, right? He said that this week. He'll be rooting for former Saints, Von Bell and Trey Hendrickson. Maybe not so much Eli. Apple, he said right? Eli a little, and then he laughed. He's very aware. Of, he's very. He's very aware of what yeah. happens on oh. social media. He's very aware and keen of that. And Scott, that's my point. That when we would talk to him in April and May, and in early June in minicamp, man, he really does understand football at a high level. But it's his ability to communicate it get you to understand it to where it helped, it's helped me explain it and see things and how I view the game. And, you know, uh, somebody that covers the team and I were talking over the weekend about this. Could it happen? Could it not? Because one of my points that I thought, no, because I'm like, John's still engaged. He still wants to be a part of the game. He direct messaged him following a tweet that he had put out there about the Bengals offensive line being so poor. Sean Payton direct messages him and explains why it is and how you need to fix it and what they're not doing right. I mean, I just smiled when I saw that because that's Sean. That's Sean. I mean, that's, he's seeing it. He understands how to help a poor offensive line. He understands how you protect your quarterbacks. And you have a guy like Drew that's similar to Joe in this standpoint, he knows pre-snap what you're doing. And he can beat you with it. You've watched this week. 
tons of national breakdowns of how Joe Burrow in that game against Tennessee knew what was coming and things of that nature. So I think he enjoyed watching games like that and seeing it. And I think, like Madden, he has that love for the game. I actually think he'd be a fantastic color. And what I was told earlier this week when all this kind of started was could be Fox thinking about bringing him in as a home run hire to replace Aikman because apparently Amazon's trying to grab Aikman because Amazon's trying to get Monday Night Football and all that stuff. So I think him as a color analyst would be great from two, three aspects. God, A, I think he could really convey the game and almost be like Romo with Nance to an extent. I don't know if he'd be as excited on certain things, but I definitely think he could explain the game and make you think like you're watching film with him while you're watching live football. I think the other element is, I don't know if studio work, it's him. I, I think he likes the sights, the smells, the talking with coaches, and being able to be color and doing a game, Scott, you get to every week meet with that team. You're in tune with rosters. You're in tune with how the game is going. So you want to be a part of it and kind of touch it. That's as good as it gets, right? Because he's not going to be on the C and D team. So he'll be on the A or B team, which means he's either going to get the game of the week or the next best game. So he'll always be around the good teams. And you'll always have your meetings the day before. You can have that good dinner like they're used to on Saturday night. You call the game in the stadium, sight, sounds, the crowd, you know, doing all of that, and then you jet off. That, to me, makes a lot of sense, and it's who Sean is. Um, getting to the studio, like when you watch Jimmy and Brad Sean, and, and you know the Scott, they go on live there. In L.A., they're probably there at 7, 8 o'clock call to go on at 9 or something, their time from 11. And then you're in there all day in a big room with a bunch of big TVs watching it in the room. Then you go do your halftime, and then you do your post game, then you're done. Now, look, for some, probably not a bad deal. A couple mil to go sit in the room and watch football. But if I have the choice to be in a stadium and call the game of the week, and be able to talk to coaches and players, get that one-on-one time, and actually be in a stadium. I'd much rather do that, I think, but that's me. But I think he would do really well in that, and I, I think that's what you're going to see him do this year. I do think he's going to do TV at some point this year. Too many people saying that a couple of deals have already been expressed. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Here's a, a question i got to ask you, Gus. Uh, it's ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott Pray, the great Scott Show. Gus Gattengill visiting with us. If you're listening to us via the stream on the ESPN Lafayette app, it's brought to you by Champagne's Mark on the Will Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Coming up later in the show, I will have a conversation with Trey Wingo. We'll talk NFL uh, Championship Weekend betting. Uh, sportsbooks now open here in the state of Louisiana uh, DraftKings guys put in the code fourteen twenty. Download the DraftKings sportsbook, not the fantasy sportsbook, the sportsbook. Put in that promo code fourteen twenty hundred dollars in free bets while the promotion is still going on. Um, and we'll talk Cajun hoops as we did earlier in the show a little bit later on as well. Gus, we we I I was asked this question I guess more than I thought I would have been, and then I finally just put a poll up yesterday on our Twitter page. Um, as I was egged on by a troll to do so, and that is, is Sean Payton a quitter? Now, 
There are some uh, Saints fans out there that believe he did. Um, I, I, I say no, right? A couple of reasons. Number one, you know, uh, Jim Mora, as much as I love Jim Mora, and he's the only other coach in the history of the franchise that finished with, with more wins than losses, I say he quit because it happened in the middle of a season, right? We, we, in my opinion, that sucked. We got our ass kicked, diddly-poo, the famous rant, you know, one of many for, for the great Jim Mora. And then that was it. He left, quit, midseason, didn't get fired, quit, right? I mean, people bring up Bobby Petrino. Well, yeah, he quit. He was 13 games into his first season and left by leaving a note on everyone's locker. Didn't even tell anybody. Wasn't even going to tell his coaches till the GM forced him to. Uh, major difference there. You know, Peyton left after 16 years and 15 seasons uh, and a lot of winning and a lot of good stuff, and he talked to the owner about it well before he actually made the decision. Um you know, it was, it was, I, and, and they're all, oh, what about a contract? What about a contract? Well, first of all, number one, he can get fired at any point, but number two, no coach like in football, college or pro coaches through the end of their contract. They're either extended or they're fired. Like a college coach never does it because nobody is going to go play for a coach in college sports. that's on the last year of their deal because Every other coach is going to tell him, you're going to get recruited by this guy. He's not even going to be there next year, right? It doesn't happen in the NFL because either you're too good and you get extended or you're not good enough and you get fired. So the whole contract thing is nonsense, not to mention in regards to this argument, the contract benefits the team still because if Sean wants to go coach somewhere in a year or two or three, the Saints will get compensated for it. And they're not paying him right now because he's not working. So the contract works a number of ways, but the whole argument of, well, you got to honor a contract like this isn't you, this isn't contract labor where you signed a deal and, it, and, and there were guarantees and all this other stuff. That's not how these contracts work. And when it comes to football coaches and college coaches in any sport, they're never coaching on the very last year of their deal, especially in football. So all that stuff is just malarkey, in my opinion. But. Then you got the train of thought of, well, you know, he saw what they were working with. The season was really hard. He doesn't have a quarterback currently that he likes, yada, yada, cap, da, 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 da. I say, no, he did not quit. There are some Saints fans out there that absolutely believe he did. I gave you my reason and my reason why. Where are you at with that take on did Sean, did Sean Payton quit the Saints? Well, I mean – on the surface, it's not a false statement in terms that he left the job. He stepped down short of his contract in terms of, you know, we hired you to do this, and you stopped. Now, he stopped because he couldn't do it anymore. Wanted to step away, wanted to try something different. You are absolutely allowed to do that in terms of, I always feel, man, you got to do what makes you happy. If you're not invested mentally and emotionally, you're just not going to be able to do a good job, and then you're not going to be happy. If you're not happy, it affects every aspect of your life, man. Personal life, professional life, and then your personal life. I mean, like in terms of how you feel. And, you know, having just gotten married, you know, a year ago, so you have a relatively new wife from that aspect of it. Again, maybe you learn mistakes from the first go around to the second. Maybe spending more time. Do we think that nature? When Cam Jordan was on Get Up on Thursday, he said, you know, I, I know for a fact Sean went days stringed together where he never went home. We just stayed at the facility. 
And, you know, that's tough. I mean, I, I look at it like this. Again, I look at life so differently now as you do, Scott, with, with kids. I mean, I traveled this week to Orlando for just a very simple, you know, one night game the next day, left Tuesday night, played Wednesday, chartered home until my 10 o'clock on Wednesday. Wednesday morning, go, he FaceTimes me crying, missing me. Why do I have to work? From school Thursday, crying, I want to go to school. Why do I have to work? He's at that age where he wants to hang out with dad and not do those things. That's tough, you know? So, again, we're kind of at the beginning of this conversation where we're talking about when you think that Connor was five and he's now 21. How many of those moments, dude? That well, you're it's, not there? It's, it's done. I mean, it's past. <laughs> you know, I mean, you yeah. see they're, they're so, grown up now. But Yeah, it's hard for me to say you quit when you could have when Drew walked away and you could have in the season and all those different aspects. Look, he did. He finished the year out. Finished the year out. It's like, man, it's been exhausting his time. So I can't call him a quitter from that standpoint because that almost, to me, overlooks all of the positive things it, it, that somebody it, did. Yeah, the you know? contract thing is, I guess, I mean, and this is just, I'm just speaking for me, but that's, that part of the argument annoys me because if, if somebody believes that, and, and again, no, what was the last NFL coach that just coached out his contract and left? When was the last time that happened? Like in today's day and age, you either have an extension or you're fired. Like it's agents don't allow their coaches essentially to just be in the last year of their deal. So if you're but of that, if it, Scott, you have the other way around too. How many of these coaches just this year got fired? Right. That, that's, that, that, it's exactly it. Like, that's, that's my point. Like if, if you're under the impression of, well, he has a contract and needs to honor it, then you believe that every NFL coach and basically every college football coach and, and college basketball coach and the likes, are, they all either are fired or quitters, one or the other, because there's no other way that it could happen because they're not just working out the end of a deal. Like I, I don't like the comparison to like other things in life because every industry is different. And as, as it pertains to these specific contracts, they're different. And again, not to mention like, like Billy Napier left UL for Florida. I don't think he quit UL. Right? I mean, he left for another job. He's under contract. Well, guess what? That contract helped you out. I mean, you all got $3 million for that if I, off the top of my head. I think that was the buyout, something like that. So, you know, this Peyton contract, right? It, it, the Saints probably are going to get compensation at some point. What will that be? Time will tell. But uh, Gus Kattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Gus, I, I was on your show Wednesday. We talked about this. All signs seem to be pointing to Dennis Allen. You know, uh, he pulls out of the Bears interview. Bears hired someone yesterday, and I, I know the Saints requested an interview with Aaron Glenn, who was on the Saints staff for a while, now the D.C. in Detroit. I think being that Aaron Glenn has a history with the Saints, and, of course, Dennis Allen's in the building, and he has head coaching experience, didn't do great during his time in Oakland, let's just put it bluntly, even though, you know, Al Davis, certainly toward the end of his life, was, um, you know, ownership was... Uh, we'll just be nice and say questionable at best um, in Oakland at the time. Um, but my point is this. Eric Bieniemy seems like he's going to be a great coach, and the fact that he's a New Orleans native and a great offensive mind, it would make a lot of sense. But when, when a coach is fired versus when a coach leaves, there's two totally different mindsets, especially when a coach leaves after five straight winning seasons, you know, four of the five NFC South championships, when a coach leaves on a good note, 
you don't want to tear something down and sort of restart. You want to try to, I don't know, not even redirect. You you just you want to try to keep it going. And it makes too much sense for them not to just go the Dennis Allen route, right? Like, seems like there'll be a promotion, and maybe Chris Richard's promoted to D.C. Maybe they talk Aaron Glenn into coming back to New Orleans as a D.C. there instead of Detroit. I don't know, but I, I think there'll be a few new members of the staff, but I also think you're, you're going to see a lot of that staff still together in Dennis Allen as the next head coach of the Saints. What are your thoughts on where the Saints go in terms of head coach from here? Knowing that organization and the way Sean spoke about him, you know, in that hour, man, you heard him consistently talk about the relationships and relationships he has with Flausha and, you know, Mrs. Benson and Mickey. You know, and look, Jeff Ireland hasn't been hired as a GM. Right now, you know, he interviewed. Allen interviewed. Flausha didn't get the job in Chicago. So if I'm looking at it organizationally, from a structure standpoint, I'm probably feeling, even though we had conversations, I'm probably feeling like many fans, right? I mean, I'm probably a little surprised. So I don't know if I was ready for it, if I was prepping for it, and want to figure out what I can do with my team. And one of the reasons and things that we've talked about in the last two weeks, Scott, is the optimism that surrounds this team because I, like you, don't think they're that far away. You gotta make some big decisions. Gotta get some key players, sure. But there is still a good amount of talent here. I saw Daniel Jeremiah on Thursday or Wednesday tweeting something like, If I'm other teams, I'm calling for the veterans on the Saints squad. They're ready to rebuild. I'm like, I don't see that. So if that's the case, it would make sense organizationally to try to keep as much cohesiveness as possible until this current crop of players then doesn't go. Like, I have to run it back as much as I can on the defensive side, as much as I can with this team, with a stable quarterback that plays at least some, not most of the season. That makes sense, Scott. Like, I need to know what this team would look like, what this defense essentially playing, and a starting quarterback that plays, you know, longer than six, seven games and see if I'm a playoff team. If I'm not, then come call me next year. But until then, I can't make a fair assessment because I do think in the draft you could find a receiver that help your offensive line. Michael Thomas should be healthy. Amos Winston decides to come back. I think he's a comparable quarterback for sure to start in the league for you. You elevate Pete Carmichael. All right, now it's your show. Go get him. And you keep Allen, elevate Ryan Nielsen from D-line coach and the associate head coach, keep the associate title, and, you know, make him defensive coordinator. Everybody's gotten promoted, but it's still a team that has its staff kind of attacking together, and you don't have nearly as much change of feel. Fight is going to be different. Maybe, maybe not. You still have a locker room stock full of leaders that, you know, know their time's running out. So I, I think me, the fact they even asked to interview Aaron Glenn also brings the point there as well. I think Aaron Glenn's going to be a head coach in this league 
much sooner rather than later. I don't know now. If Dennis Allen would have left, I'd have been calling Aaron left. My, my personal take. I, from my experiences with him, talking to him, seeing how he changed that secondary, watching him at practice every day, energy level. I mean, dude, he's Tomlin and Peyton in one. Dude. <laughs> I, I love Aaron Glenn. I love Aaron Glenn. So um, that, to me, would make so much more sense than trying to bring somebody else in with their vision and ideals. I would almost probably try to, you know, kind of stick with somebody that understands what our vision is, what our culture is, what our philosophy is, what works here. And to me, I, I kind of liken it to stop, whether it's a news business, media business, or just business overall. You know, when CEOs step down, sometimes you had to go get somebody outside. But for the most part, you know, your weeknight anchor leaves, you know, promote the weekend anchor or you know, the sports director, Lee Scott, and the guy that does weekend becomes the sports director. So I think it makes sense from a lot of standpoint. Again, I'm not to say I wouldn't be shocked or not, but Sean Payton called him a great candidate. I think there's other people in there that would sense on it at all. But I, I, I just think it makes too much sense to not. Now, you have to go through the process legally in the NFL and do different things to make sure that you quote unquote have your search, but I have a hard time buying that that hasn't been discussed or talked about. And you brought it up on my show too, man. That that Tampa game, all he did was go face the Bucks, shut them out, and that team looked like the Saints. So if there was a tryout, <laughs> that's a good tryout. I know a lot is brought up about his Raiders, but you had Al Davis meddling. We had a team that wasn't built for success. And we forget Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, their teams that had their most success was their third stop, right? So, I mean, I, I, I look at Dennis Allen's past in that record, but it's two completely different things. I think he would have been more game to the Saints than the other way. Yeah, and, and I, I think even if he doesn't coach, you know, head coach in that game, if Sean never got COVID again, that he's probably, they're probably still going in the same direction. Like that game certainly doesn't hurt. I, I, I think. There's some guys that just are meant to be head coaches. Like Aaron Cromer was not the interim interim Saints coach in 2012 before Joe Vitt came back. I mean, that guy didn't know what he was doing. And maybe he can coach in O-line, but you know, you kind of follow some of the stuff he's done since then and just doesn't have the makeup of a head coach, right? Um, leading a whole team for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think Dennis Allen has that. I think that's going to be their guy. And I think that's where they're going. Uh, Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Trey Wingo coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Talk a little more Cajun hoops in the next segment briefly before we get to Wingo, but still visiting with Gus. Gus, championship weekend. Let's shift gears. Um, I've given my picks. I like Kansas City. Um, I know a lot of folks rooting for Cincinnati. I am. I'll, I'll be rooting for the Bengals, but I think Kansas City wins. I like Kansas City minus 7 um, Bengals have been a nice story, but I mean, uh, good luck. Good luck against that offense with Casey's working in Arrowhead. It's going to be loud as hell. It's going to be late. Uh, Niners Rams. I like the Niners. I think the Rams are at the top of their roster. They have better talent, certainly not at the bottom, but uh, you know, I, I was saying this yesterday. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, 
He, he's probably going to be on Mari Povich next week, and they're going to open an envelope to find out who the father of the L.A. Rams is, and it's going to be him because he owns McVay right now. He has handled the Rams. He's great at game planning, and just seeing the Rams, I know, I know, they're, they, they've got talent. Matt Stafford played well last week, but seeing how they almost blew that 27-3 lead, seeing how they blew a big lead, you know, um, a little less than three, you know, three weeks ago in the final game of the season that Saints fans are watching closely. I just from a game planning standpoint, man, this this Niners team, I, I think they I think they get it done in LA. And I think you're having a rematch of the Super Bowl from several years ago. I'm I'm taking the Chiefs minus seven, the Niners plus three and a half. What are your picks for this weekend, Gus? Man, it's just crazy to think at the same time like odds at some point, right? That the Rams have gotta beat the 49ers at some point. Look, if they played like they played the last two weeks, Rams will win. Um, I, again, I think it comes down to who you're trusting. Stafford made that play. Can he make it again? He just played them. I, it's kind of one of those things where you look at when the Saints played the Bucks a couple of years ago, right, last year, and it was like, well, the Saints went to Tampa and smoked them. And, like, it's probably not going to happen again, and you saw the playoff game was different. So, much as I, 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 I hate even saying the Rams now, I just, I'd probably go Rams just because I just, I can't see them being dominated again. I mean, they're really rolling some dice. Um, and my fandom's not going to let me pick KC. I would say, so why not? I love the fact that they brought up noise this week and Joe Burrow's like, try playing in the SEC. I don't think the noise is going to affect them. I mean, does it create a false start or so? That's fine. But Scott, he's starting to get to the point where, as I told you last week when it came to the Bengals, I kept saying, why not? Remember? Why not? I mean, that dude got sacked nine times. Nine. That's just sacks. Yeah. How many times did he get hit? A lot. Even on completions. And that dude wasn't bothered. You think noise is going to bother him? You think a couple of penalties is going to bother him? That guy, okay, it's third and 18. Here's a 20-yard out. I, I just, that's the difference when you have an elite overworld quarterback, man, that I just don't think it's bothered by things. And I think the biggest factor that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is something that you hear a lot when it comes to college games and stuff like that, even sometimes in the pros. That would be very emotional, hard-fought game that the Chiefs just played at home, and that almost felt like the AFC Championship game, right? And I said to you last week, if I'm the Bengals, that first game when you played in the playoffs, that was probably the most pressure-packed game because you're at home, you had one playoff game in however many years, you know, it's just I, I thought of the analogy in the Saints for the Vikings for the NFC Championship game here. The Breeze and other players talked about, you know, man, you know, everywhere we went, people were screaming it up. You better not lose. You better not lose. You better not lose. Well, they passed that. They won at home. They won their playoff game. They played with house money um, at Tennessee. And you saw Tennessee, the closer that game was, the more that they trailed it. You know, the pressure is on them, and they have to now make plays. I think even if KC comes out 
scores, has a lead. I think there's belief in that locker room that they can still win. I know it's not going to affect Joe. I think when your best receiver also has the same makeup and mentality where he's not bothered by it, he's going to go out there and make the play. I mean, it's 20 seconds, dude. You know, they got field goal range in 20 seconds. And, you know, a lot's made, obviously, of the 13 seconds and all of that, but that's just it. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I, I, I do think, you know, it's logical to think, hey, Casey's been there so much, man, while Joe and Jamar may feel a certain way because the rest of the team feel a certain way. Plus, they got Eli Apple, right? <laughs> and you got a guy like Tyree Kale that can just catch anything and, I mean, score a touchdown. So I do think KC is just, you know, a step ahead. I, I think this reminds me of, like, that 016 of the Saints, Scott, where you saw the growth, you saw the potential, and I'm with you. Um, I think Burrow winning an MVP, Burrow winning a Super Bowl is coming. I, I don't know if it's this Sunday. I just think they're, they're you know, it'd be surprising, man. It'd be surprising for them with you, you know. So I think logically, I'm with you, Rams. I think Rams and Chiefs. ESPN Lafayette. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You got Rams, Chiefs. I'll take Niners, Chiefs. Gus Catengale has been our guest. Final thing, man. Uh, Pels play tonight. Um, uh, they're selling those Herb Jones jerseys in the team store in New Orleans, as they should. Man, uh, love that guy. Um, you got you got the Nuggets tonight, but I think you know where this team's at since that rough start. We've talked a lot about it week to week. My question to you this week, last question of the segment, just one on the Pels. Trade deadline. Are, are are they making a move here? Because there's a lot of chatter about the Pelicans being one of those teams that have been active on the phones. I know uh, the trade deadline is coming up soon. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the uh, the date is February 10th. So, you know, not too far from now. Where, where are you at with the Pels, and uh, do you see them making any moves? I, I do think they're doing their due diligence, and it makes sense. You need shooting. You need more consistent shooting, three-point shooting, guard play. I mean, I can't find a single person that doesn't want Sadoransky cut from the team. The problem is, as, as people keep telling me, you don't have another point guard. Like, you don't have another player that can bring the ball to you. Does that change if Zion comes back? Does that change if he can go find another point guard in these for minutes? Um, so, I do think you're probably looking for that. You're probably open to suggestions um, and seeing who's on the table. I just don't know if you, you know, I keep seeing this thing about T.J. McCollum and all this. I, here's the thing, man. <laughs> I don't know that I kind of want to mess with a cohesiveness in the locker room right now that's, that's playing from one another. Are they talented enough to compete in the West? No. But, again, if they're going into the assumption of we're just trying to build the best team surrounding Zion, I can't answer that because I haven't seen him yet. And what I have seen there's a group of guys that will play hard, play defense, pass the basketball, support and believe in one another. And if you put him there in the middle with that surrounding him, can that compete in the West? Valentinus and, and somebody. So I don't know how much of those pieces I, I'm willing to kind of let go. You know what I mean? I, if I had to, like, say I'm okay parting with on certain players. I mean, I, I, I just keep having trouble understanding why Billy Hernan Gomez is not playing. The guy starts last game, 
in Philly, got 29 points. He's, how can times. you not love Billy, I mean, man? I love that guy's spirit. Dude, he didn't play since January 3rd, and I understand why you need to play Jackson Hayes. I understand he's a top 10 pick. I understand that, but I also understand this. The other guy is better. The other guy is better. So if a team calls me and he's a piece that I can use to better my team, I'm doing it. I, I'm pulling it. I, I mean, it's a simple question I've asked everybody, and even I've asked you: Is Jackson Hayes a starter this season? No. I don't. I don't. I don't even see that in five years. I, I don't. So, um, if that's the case, then he's available. I mean, I. That's I, how I look at it when it comes to trades, like young players. Like, do you see that guy being an impact sixth, seventh guy off the bench, or even a starter? If they're not, they're available. I mean, I. If it helps me around my two stars and you know i so this guy's got to get back i mean i don't know if that photo on instagram of him bringing the ball up the court the pels uniform is, is, a, is, a, is a carrot um you know it's a sign of things to come we'll see but i'm, I'm still holding on hope and belief that you'll see him friday after the all-star game i mean that's three weeks or four weeks from now um you know the, the 25th so the All-Star game is the 20th, the 25th spot. So when you take a look at, you know, just a, a calendar, um, that field was the 28th. So you got the 4th, the 11th, the 18th, the 25th. Dude, that's four Fridays from today. If that guy ain't on the court by then, then there's a lot of explaining to do. You know what I mean? Because the six-week mark is this week, and I'm giving him an extra four weeks to, um, to be able to, to at least give me – Get him back the after the you All-Star know, I mean, break. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the first game, you know, and you got a road trip. You're at Phoenix and, and uh, you know, the other ones at, uh, on ESPN, I think Denver. But anyway, you're, you're there. So Utah. So bottom line, he should be ready to play on the 25th. Like, that's how I'm looking at it. You told me four to six weeks, six weeks ago. I'm giving you an extra month. If he's not ready then, well, then you should have had surgery. You should have at some point. So I'm going with the 25th, and until I see that guy on that court, I don't know if I'm ready to make a bunch of drastic moves. I mean, you are where you are right now. You're playing for the 10th spot. If not, you're going to be drafting in a certain spot. So you know what? You're not going to have the pressure of, hey, well, you let Zion down this year because of the team around you. He, he, he didn't play. So I, I don't know if I have that pressure where i got to make splash moves or make the playoffs. And then at the same time, does that – Give you sustainable success as the phrase that David Griffin's been telling us for years. That is Gus Cadengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. He has been our guest. Pronola segment this morning. Give Gus a follow on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven at GKATT underscore one seven. Check out the sports hangover noon to three. Monday through Fridays on ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Gus, as always, my friend, I appreciate the time, the perspective, the conversation, and uh, we'll see who's uh, playing in the Super Bowl when we chat next week. I know there's uh, two weeks between games. Crazy now with the, you know, the NFL season used to start a week earlier, right? It used to uh, also, you know, of course, was only 16-game season, not 17-game season. You know, when we were young, this was Super Bowl week. Right, right now, this upcoming weekend, um, now it's you know we're still 
you're looking at like Valentine's Day weekend or the weekend before until they finally play the big game. But you know what? I'm not going to complain about more football later in the year. I'm good with it, dude. I'm good with it. Yeah, uh, it is weird. I keep telling everybody it's Super Bowl weekend, and it's not. It's <laughs> a couple more times, weeks to go. So. Appreciate, appreciate the time, brother. We'll chat again next week. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, coming up next, UL versus Georgia State at the Dome last night. We'll dig into that. Trey Wingo after that, the former ESPN personality, knows plenty about the NFL. He's also up to date with the betting line. Speaking of betting, whew, it's live. Sportsbooks are open in Louisiana, online in at the brick and mortars. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Got to be the